it's time to stop swinging at junk pitches and listen to the career bitches. Your resident career bitches. Your girls Friday for advice, amazingly useful and amusing banter for anything and almost everything related to your career. They cut through the bullshit and all the workplace drama. Now give it up for these mamas. Well, welcome back everyone to Career Bitches. I'm Ann Tropea, your co-host. And I'm Marcel Yeager. And we are here today with a very special guest, Sheila Murphy from Flex Professionals. We're so excited to have her with us. Um, And before we allow her to introduce herself, we (laughs) would like to start our weekly bitch. Yes. And I'm just so excited, Marcel, that we have so many guests this season and so many like amazing and talented people. So yay. Um, excited to have you here with us, Sheila. Um, yeah, Marcel, why don't you let's tell us what our bitch is. Okay, so we are going to talk about the issue of companies not being willing to pay what people are worth and undervaluing the talent that they're bringing in, lowballing people on salary negotiations. It's a problem. It's been a problem. I think you ladies would agree for quite some time. And it continues to be a problem. In fact, I got an email about an offer from a client today with just that issue. Um, So (laughs) what do you think, Anne? I mean, I I kind of don't think there's any, uh, you know, there's no excuse for not paying people you know, uh, like a standard wage, like an average wage, like depending on what your your title is, um, you know, especially for like for-profit companies or even nonprofits that have like a huge endowment or like a, a reserve fund and just people saying like, well, we should just, you know, they're either hiring fewer people or they're expecting people to work um, for salaries that may have been cool, you know, five years ago, but hey, hello, you know, inflation is a thing. Um, we're all struggling dealing with that in the U.S. Um, and other, forget about other places in the world, it's even worse. But um, I just feel like, you know, like money is why you're working. <laughs> you know, we're not just, you know, showing up for a job every day out of, you know, the goodness of our hearts, even if we truly care about the mission of the org or or the work that we're doing. But like at the end of the day, we, we need to like feed our families and pay mortgages. And I just think it's bullshit that companies feel like they can just kind of let these salaries ride um, as if, you know, as if they don't have to continually, you know, reevaluate um, what they're paying folks and saying, you know, hey, you're doing a great job. The way I can show you you're doing a great job is to give you a raise. Um, you know, I don't want, you know, a subscription to National Geographic or the, I don't know. Don't you, Marcel, haven't you seen this? They're like some bullshit, like benefits that you get through a company that basically costs them nothing. And you're supposed to say, oh my God, thank you for this you know, $50 gift certificate at the end of the year when really you should be getting, um, you know, a 10% raise. (laughs) 
Right. Or you can use the weight room. It's like, great. The weight room is not going to feed my family or allow me to go on vacation, but thanks very much. I agree. There's these long, I feel like the lists of benefits have gotten longer and longer, but less and less valuable, if that makes sense. And people say, well, now we've gotten rid of like the ping pong tables and all that because we're not always on site. But then they've added to this list of benefits that's really no different in my mind to that, you know? And it's totally short-sighted because if you get if people who feel that they're getting paid what they're worth, they're happier, they're going to produce, and they're not going to leave, and it costs so much money to train and rehire. So, and then I would also add throw into the mix. In my opinion, um, I've got two college-aged, one recent graduate, one who has had like a rock star internship this summer. You wouldn't believe the amount that companies are paying. Uh, recent college grads who have zero experience. I mean, I'm all for it because that's less I have to pay for you know <laughs> them in my house. But um, and not that they don't deserve it, but so does everybody else who are mid level and who have been working at that company. And my guess is that there's huge discrepancies right now between what people are paid by gender, by age, by experience. And that is going to cause a big headache. And it's going to be the people that are have been working longer that feel like their loyalty and their accomplishments aren't getting valued. And it's such, it's, yeah, it's sad. I think it's sad. It's interesting. I think you're probably right, Sheila, that there is like, there, there are discrepancies that maybe are not apparent, but I will say that I think more people are more willing now to talk amongst each other totally. about like, hey, what are you making? And uh, there will be a conversation that happens around the, you know, the the so-called water cooler, right? Um, I have a friend who worked for a company, I won't say the name, and her boss for several years tried to get her a promotion and it was not allowed. And he left the company when he left the company uh, after he had officially left, they went out for drinks and he said to said to her, you are underpaid compared to your counterparts, both outside the company and within the company. Wow. And the only way you are going to get what you deserve is you're probably going to have to start looking for another job and use it as leverage. Damn. You know, but that's crazy for the People company to have, not yeah. recognize that. You shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. But it what happens so fun? much. All right. Well, that's that's a worthy bitch, ladies, because that's that's some real bullshit right there. <laughs> yes. So companies go fix that. It's a problem. Yeah. Stop being jerks. We know you can afford it. Like people shouldn't have. Uh, you shouldn't have to do more with less. You should do more with more. That's my. There you go. That's my. Motto. There you go. Absolutely. So before we launch into chatting with you, Sheila, can you give us the background on how Flex Professionals started and your career and all that good stuff? Sure. So, oh gosh, I'm totally aging myself. Um, (laughs) So I started Flex Professionals 13 years ago with two other women. I am not entrepreneurial. I'm the least entrepreneurial of the three of us. We'd never have done it alone. Marcel, you know how hard it is. 
And um, so I'm eternally grateful for, for the, for the two of them. Um, we were all moms. We probably had, oh gosh, like literally at least 20 years of a career break between us at that point. And we all wanted to get back in for a variety of reasons. Um, at the time I, um, was a stay at home mom, uh, two years prior to leaving the workforce, my, my husband died very unexpectedly, um, of a cardiac arrhythmia. And I was a happy stay at home mom, but after grieving and deciding, gosh, I kind of want to do something for myself. And I'd like to, I'd like for my kids to see me working. I wanted to get back in, but there's no way I could do full-time work. Actually, I shouldn't say there's no, there's no, I, to maintain the lifestyle that I wanted for my children, I, I had the luxury of not having to work full-time, but there wasn't any good, meaningful part-time work out there. Mm. Um, so we did what a lot of women do that can't find what they are working, looking for. They kind of create their own business to make it work for them. And so that's what we did. We felt, we felt that there was a lot of women out there and we don't discriminate caregivers in general that, um, had a lot to offer the workplace, but they just didn't want to do it traditional full-time in the office. Now, COVID has kind of changed all that. I think in a lot of ways you can get the flexibility, but not always Mm. part-time. So we knew that there was this untapped talent pool of caregivers. And we also knew that there were tons of small businesses in particular, or small organizations that could really benefit from their value. And so we became matchmakers and we connect businesses in need of talent to professionals that are really looking for a supportive work environment and a, a job that's meaningful, but that fits within their, their life. So that's how we started. Zero job seekers, zero clients. And we have grown the business to operate in the DMV and Boston metro areas with over 25,000 job seekers, and we've worked with a 1,000 or plus employers. Wow. I didn't realize that you guys had had, I mean, that's a lot of people, and that's super impressive, um, you know, starting from zero, especially at a time when it kind of, like you said, that that wasn't really an option. And I know I was a stay-at-home mom for many years. I'm an attorney by trade, um, and that's super impossible to jump back into. Yeah. And attorneys are hard to place, mm-hmm. you would think. I mean, it's crazy, but they are because sometimes people are, a business is like, oh, I don't want them looking down my back and telling me everything I'm doing wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you guys, you got a lot of great skills to offer. <laughs> it's true. And it's hard to work as an attorney. Well, we've talked about this before, but because of the way that licensure works for attorneys, yeah. um, you know, if you're not, if you're no longer in the state where you're licensed, um, the, the options are don't work as an attorney or go take the bar in that state, which if you're 20 years out of law school and you've spent the last 10, um, you know, caring for little ones yeah. and, you know. You don't have time to study and you've uh, forgotten no, how to do it. <laughs> I totally, I, I could not take another bar exam if I tried. I, I don't remember how to study like the way that you need to. It does not sound like a party. <laughs> 
It's not. And I, but what's so amazing, though, Sheila, is that you, I feel like 13 years ago, that was just not a thing, right? People were, yeah. it was like traditional employment, full time. If you're a mom or dad, you stay at home and then that's it, right? Like you have no other options. What have you feel like, do you feel like things have changed over that time? Like in terms of what, how employers view it? Like, have you seen more interested in people who do flexible work now? Yeah. Great question, because it's a it's something we're dealing with every day, right? And as a matter of fact, we've just um, are are undergoing sort of a a, a, mess, a slight messaging change and sort of a refreshing of our website because the pandemic has blown a lot of this out of the water in a great way, right? The silver lining is that I think there are more flexible jobs out there now than there ever was. So that's fantastic. And listen, if I go out of business because of that, I'd be one happy chick, right? <laughs> but at the same time. Um, it's, it's almost in a good way to, uh, uh, how do I, how do I say it? it? It's, it's put, now we're getting a little bit more substantive about flexibility. Like before we just talked about it as, oh, everybody needs, it's really great. It helps, you know, be productive. It's you know, more people who are productive. If they're given flexibility, they, you can make more money. And now it's really like, okay. So where do we go from here, right? And I think that that the employer's challenge right now is to operationalize flexibility. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean for their company? What does it mean for their culture? And what kind of policies are going to be related to that? And then for the job seeker, it's about, okay, um, what does flexibility mean to me? Like for some people, it's 40 hours a week, but working from home every day. Other people are like, oh my God, I could hate the thought of working from home every day is terrible. <laughs> and I flexibility to me is I want to be in the office, but I only want to be in the office. I only want to work two days a week. For other people, it's a combination. So, and now it's about finding that match, right? So for us, I think we are the matchmakers. We're really good about qualifying companies to make sure that they're, they truly embrace flexibility. There's this whole you know, idea that people are just saying it and then you get there and not so much. And then I think we're really good about making sure that the job seekers' needs are, are matched. So I think we're still very much relevant. And I think we're just experts in it in ways that other um other companies or recruiting firms are not because we've been doing it long since the, the pandemic. Or long yeah, that's a good pandemic, point. Pandemic. Right. Cause I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of people ask us like, I want a remote job or I want a flexible job. How do I find it? Where do I go? And like, even though there's all these sites out there, like you said, everyone is worried that they're going to find, you know, those employers who are just saying it and not actually walking the talk. Right. So I think that's important that you're bridging that gap because it isn't very clear online who is seriously, who is taking it seriously and who's not. Yeah. And we're still in flux, right? Like I, you know, I used to have this PowerPoint slide, like 2021, the year, you know, the year of change. And then, I switched it and I was really easy. I could, okay, I can just keep that slide, just make it 2022. And now I feel like 
we're still in flux, right? None, none of this has really settled. I mean, there's just so many buzzwords out there, the, you know, the, the quiet quitting and flex washing and, you know, the great resignation. And it's still kind of, it's all still out there. I mean, I think it's going to start to settle a bit more. Like I, I do think we hit the height of hundred percent remote. I think it will stay for some companies, but not for all. So I think the competition now is going to be super fierce for remote and hybrid because based on what we're seeing, nobody wants a job that requires you to go into the office every day, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I've seen even like within the last six months, maybe even less like remote first, like we're a remote first organization, which I find fascinating. And I, I think that means, and this kind of goes to your point, Sheila, like what does it mean to be a flexible work environment? Um, what does it mean to be remote first? Like there, it's not like there's a, a glossary out there for job seekers. Um, you know, you hope that companies are transparent um, in their, on their, in their job listings and on their website, which, um, which we've talked about in this season on the podcast, um, you know, honesty and job listings, but but yeah, like what does, does that mean, you know, and what does it mean to be flexible? You know, I do, I agree with you. I think there's going to have to be some settling of the dust <laughs> in a lot of yeah. ways. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, for, for people who are looking for remote work, like is there, are there like recommendations? I know your company has a lot of remote and hybrid options. Um do you think there is like a better way to go about looking for that? Because I feel like a lot of our clients, you know, look on LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever, and maybe they'll there will be a, you know, a filter where they can filter, you know, for just remote remote jobs, right? But sometimes it feels like there are so many and they're all over the place. Like how do we how do we yeah. Guide them to ones that are legit and not just like throwing your resume into a deep, dark hole on the internet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great question. And honestly, I think like general, your, your, your best job search tips for just a general job searcher, it's really the same for remote too, which mine, and I think Marcel, you would agree with me on this one. It's really about what company is going to be the right fit for you. And try to find the job within that company. Try to find the people that you can talk to and use the remote as a negotiating tool, right? If you just say, I'm only going to search for remote companies, you're probably eliminating some companies out there that maybe are hybrid, that maybe would be willing to give you that 100% remote if you sold them on your skills. Now, if they're only doing full-time in-person, no, I think you have to use your judgment there. But I think that negotiation piece, don't rule yourself out too early in the process. Um, Be open. And this this isn't going to work for everybody. Certainly people, um, I know, Marcel, you work with a lot of international job seekers. So this might not work for everybody, but even being willing to be in person um, in the beginning or a little bit in the beginning, hybrid in the beginning, and then 100% remote. People still, they you get a remote job, in, especially in smaller companies because people trust you, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to develop that trusting relationship first before 
they're willing to sort of let you go off on your own that way. Um, not That's not for everybody and certainly not for the bigger companies, but the smaller companies, I think definitely, if you can offer to be, hey, I'll come in once a week, get that training, and then the rest of the time work remotely. Sometimes that's a great way to start it as well. I think that's great advice because we often get that. Like people are saying, well, I'm looking in my geographic area and I'm looking and thinking they have amazing skills that so many people would be interested in. And I say, don't limit yourself to this area, right? Like look at jobs in California. And as you said, if they don't say, you know, on-site only or something like that, apply. And as you said, use it as a negotiation tool because sometimes they don't know 100% what they're looking for. And then they see your background and it's like, oh yeah, we'd be willing to do that. We can make that work. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, that kind of goes back to our advice about applying in general, right, Marcel? Like even if you don't have a hundred, you know, 10 out of 10 of the qualifications listed, um, if you have you know, eight out of 10 or seven out of 10, you should apply anyway, because you just, you don't, you never really know what people are looking for or what, what in your background will be of interest. And sometimes like just missing a couple of, a couple of check boxes isn't, isn't gonna, you know, make it or break it for you. Totally agree. And I, I, and women are terrible at that. They're horrible. Um, they weed themselves out of the job search process way earlier. And and I think the more analytical somebody is, they tend to go through with a fine-tooth comb a job description and they know exactly what where they don't meet all the qualifications. And then who's walking into the interview more confident, right? The right. person who's like, hey, I can do all of this. So that's a challenge for a lot of job seekers. And then I would just add to that because of the pandemic and because of, you know, there are actually more jobs out there right now than there are, I think that stat, and I don't know if this is just a DC metro area stat, but there's like two job openings for every job seeker. So there's a huge mismatch right now between the skills of job seekers and the actual jobs available. And part of that is this, tech de- tech talent demand. Mm-hmm. But the other part of it is that people's priorities have changed. So they've got all these skills on their resume. They don't necessarily want to do what they did before, right? So because of this mit- mismatch, I actually think employers are far more open to um, looking at people's resumes who don't have every single check mark, you know, don't check off every single um, duty on the job description, which is great for returners, great for people with career graphs, great for people looking to transition. I mean, I'm practical. Not all companies are there yet, but I think the demand for talent is going to get so, there's going to be such a pressure point at, at, at some point that companies are going to have to look more at resumes and see possibilities than to weed people out because they don't have exactly what they're looking for. And I think companies are going to have to start training people. Like, you know, it's gone. 
hopefully someday companies are going to realize this kind of goes back to your bitch in the beginning, right? Like, <laughs> right. Pay your people. Well, like my bitch would be train your people. If you really want good people, then take the people that are a good fit that you know are capable and train them instead of denying them because they don't have Tableau or right. whatever software, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And I, as much as I complain about the State Department, I think one thing they do right, um, that one thing the Foreign Service does right is they don't say, you need to know how to be a diplomat. No one, like, no one knows how to do that. What they say is, I want to find people who have the capability to learn how to do this job. And then, you know, the crate, like everything else about it, I disagree with. But I think that like that, the fundamental thought that if we find smart people who have a ton of potential, um, we can teach them how to do this skill. Like we, you can learn how to use Asana. You can learn how to use Salesforce. You can learn, you know, there are certain things that are trained that you can train people to do if they have the basics like underlying that ability. Okay. Absolutely. And I was just listening to someone on a podcast earlier saying how it is still so hard to hire people, right? Because there are a lot of people who just don't want to work full time or don't want to work much at all or want to do projects. And how do you get you know, that's why companies are having trouble filling a lot of positions. So again, you know, back to this point, like train them, but you have to first incentivize people with the whatever is motivating them, whether it's salary or other benefits. And then once you bring them on, right, you've spent all, like you said, Sheila, you've spent all this time and money, train them, right? Like retain them, don't let them go. But it seems like companies always miss the mark on that. It's kind of incredible. Yeah. I right. I mean, yeah. I think this is this is kind of a great circular conversation because it kind it does go back to investing in your employees. Like you want you want a place of employment that is going to like give you the professional development, right? That's 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 a benefit that you can take with you, right? Like a gym membership, maybe not so much, but something that you can learn that you can carry with you to another role. That's cool. I think, yeah. Yeah. I would count that. And when we were talking just um, before we started recording, Sheila, you were saying that you're seeing a lot of people who are trying to do, so sort of the opposite of that, right? Like there's the people who don't want to work at all. And then you're seeing people who are trying to do all kinds of side hustles or gigs. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So when we started Flex Professionals, most of the people that were coming into our system were really caregivers, mostly moms, um, that were looking for part-time work in order to sort of balance uh, family and, and, and work. And since the pandemic, while we still cater or see a lot of those types of resumes, we have been... Honestly, it's it, the number has been exponential. The increase and in res of candidates coming into our system, we'll bring them into an interview, and we discover throughout the interview that they actually have full time jobs, that they are working nine to five Monday through Friday, you know, traditional full time jobs, 
but are looking for the side hustle. And there's two kinds. Some of them want nights and weekends only, um, and they're clear about that. But there's a growing number who are working full-time and getting paid for full-time hours, but somehow have time during the regular workday to dedicate to another job. And that is where we as a company are grappling with sort of the ethics of that. Um, there are cases where, you know, we'll defend the job seeker and say, well, they really do have an extra time. The contract's winding down and they're not working as much, but they seem like a really hard worker and they're not, you know, cheating their employer out. And then there's other cases where to me, it really seems like the employee is, uh, maybe working 40 hours, but will tell us they have like 20 hours during the business day to work for another uh, employer. So I don't know, does, is it okay if you, if you are a high producer and your, your, your company that you're working for is super happy with what you're doing and you're producing and you have another 10 hours to give, is it okay to double dip or is it, not okay because if the employer knew that you had an extra 10 hours and they're paying you for 40 hours that there's they they would want you utilized in not making money on the side i don't know it's it's a new phenomenon you know and uh it poses a whole lot of questions in terms of well especially in a staffing firm who do who do we want to represent and present to a client because we're all about transparency right so I don't know what you guys think about that one. I mean, I'll be the first to out myself. Like I have a full-time job that is not career ballet, um, but everyone knows it's like I don't I don't have any mistresses. Everyone knows about everyone else. Yes. So there's like mutual <laughs> there's like mutual consent. So everyone knows, you know, all of the things that I do, and everyone is cool with it. And so I think if it ever got to a point where people weren't cool with it anymore, then we would have to have a conversation. But um, I I think that's, for me, that's the only way to do business is to just be completely it's transparent. It's the transparency mm-hmm. component that I think yeah. is important. Absolutely. So I think ethically, I uh, there's like a super fine line, like ethically to walk that I don't know that I would want to have to walk. Um, so I, you know, I think honesty is almost always the best policy unless you're talking to a recruiter, then maybe you don't want to tell them like, Hey, I'm a recruiter. Hey, Hey, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So we had a recruiter on and he, he was like, he had a job candidate who's, you know, basically told him like why they got fired. And he was like, don't tell me that because I don't want to (laughs) know. Yeah. I'm all about transparency, but be careful that you don't over- don't provide too much details. Yeah. 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 I guess what I'm curious about is that as both of you were talking, like I know, I mean, Anne is like superwoman and able to manage all these different things. Are you, but are you seeing like, it's, is it like that? Is it a certain type of person that wants to just have different projects and different types of work going at once? Or is it a monetary thing where they need to supplement income from their full-time job? It is all of the above. Okay. <laughs> We've got the ands, which 
I think are probably the ones we're most likely to work with. Um, we definitely have people where you, it, it pulls a little bit on your heartstrings. They're not doing this uh, to screw anybody. They, you know, we work with a lot of women, for example, who are divorced or you've got kids all of a sudden you're paying two college tuitions or you're not sure about that, that permanent job you have and, and you really need the, the, side, the extra income. So there's people like that. And then I hate to say it, guys, but there's also sort of the late, the, uh, I don't know what you call it. Lazy, maybe lazy is the wrong word, but the job seeker who pretty much is filing their nails at a, a job, but it's full time with benefits. So they're going to keep it and they're willing, they want to make, make some money on the side. So it's, it's a combination. And then I would add this to the mix too, which makes it even more complicated. I think there's a lot of people that take side hustles because they want a little bit of extra money. And in order to get the side side hustle, they lower their rate. You know, mm. oh, sure, because it's, it, you know, I can do that. That's easy work, 10, 15 hours on the side. I can do it from home. And they lower their rate. And then I think that presents, it goes back to what you guys bitched about in the beginning. It goes back to the whole pay equity and, issues around that, right? Because there's companies out there too that will go on Upwork mm-hmm. and find um, somebody that's willing to do it at a low rate and then it undermines everybody else that are equally qualified. So I don't know. I wish I had the answer to these problems. Me too. And that's the, the thing you just said has been bothering me for years because I've seen, yeah, years of expertise be devalued because... Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens, I know, in the recruiting industry as well. When I had my um, second company before we closed it, the same thing was happening, right? And it was a recruiting business, and you saw it all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we're going to pay you like a, you know, a $25 referral fee or something. It's like, well, no, we actually took time to come up with and screen these amazing candidates. Like, it's a system. You know, and you have to pay for that expertise, but on Upwork and, you know, Elance, all these different sites, people offer things for such low pay. I mean, even resume writing is on there, right? And sometimes if Mm -hmm. we don't feel we're a good fit, we'll tell people to go look there. But in all honesty, it's just like, you don't know what you're going to get. And it does drive me crazy because then everybody in that field suffers. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I... You, this is like the essence of our capitalist system, right? So <laughs> we're all competing in the same, you know, in this in this world where, um, you know, the low sometimes the lowest bidder wins the job, and this is true in like government the government bidding process too. You don't always get the best. Okay, let's be honest. You rarely get the best contractor at the lowest rate. I will yeah. say that is almost never true. You get you get the best contractor for the rate that they're charging, which may not be that great at all. Um, yeah. I think I think employers have an affirmative duty to do the right thing. I mean, job seekers, you know, people are going to hustle, hustle. You know, hustlers are going to hustle. Like yeah. that's that's almost impossible to change. Um, but employers can do a better job of not hiring on, you know, the Upwork platforms, um, you know, not trying to get the cheapest labor, um, 
that they can, but you know, investing it comes back to bite you, right? Yeah, it comes of course, back to bite you. <laughs> and it's it sucks because it's like, well, you know, all these employees are seen as just expendable, which they kind of are, um, and no one's investing time or energy into any of these folks. Um, and I don't know if that goes to kind of the the trend now where you don't spend 30 years at a job. So companies don't feel like they have to. I mean, we're all just, it's just, it's sometimes it does feel like a constant side hustle and I'm not, I'm, I, you know, I didn't come up with that. Like so many people have said it to us. Um, and it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's good overall. Um, when you think about like the real long-term, you know, what happens to retirement, you know, what happens, like, can you side hustle forever? You know, when you're, I don't know. I, I ask myself that question often and I don't have the answer. Side hustles are great, but know your value. Mm -hmm. Don't undervalue yourself. And that's true for just job searching in general, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's really good advice. I think, you know, the more people hear that from folks like us, um, the better. Totally. Um, so I think that that's such a good point that maybe that's a good place to end our conversation because I want people to remember that. Know your value, value yourself, promote it, and don't stop promoting it even after you get the job. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Sheila, so can you tell everybody where they can find you and your company? Sure. So uh, we, you can submit your resume online. There's never any cost or obligation to the job seeker to do that. Um, but we, we welcome resumes of all shapes and sizes. We uh, Having a great resume is really important, but we've certainly placed candidates in rock star jobs with lousy resumes. Um, <laughs> just getting yourself in the system is really a good start. And uh, it's flexprofessionalsllc.com. And those of you that... Um, know Marcel and Anne, I certainly use your network and let, you know, let, let us know that you come in um, through Career Valet because we take note of that and we will, um, if you're a fit with our model, we will interview you because referrals and um, good organizations and good candidates bring in good candidates. So that's how we work. And I'm sure Marcel works the same way. Absolutely. And yes, feel free to reach out to us at Career Valet um, and we can put you in touch with Flex Professionals if you're interested um, or let let them know you came through Career Valet or from Career Bitches, which is even better. Um, and speaking of Career Bitches, thank you so much, Sheila, by the way. That's just such great you're information. And you. it was a pleasure learning more about a company that, uh, that Marcel and I both know quite a bit about. Um, But in speaking about the podcast, we have some exciting news to share. And Marcel, I'll let you I'll let you share that. We decided to make Career Bitches t-shirts. Yay! Which we've just started pushing out um, to folks. And uh, they're super awesome. If you don't get our newsletter, you haven't seen a picture of Anne modeling one. So you should get on our (laughs) newsletter list if you haven't already. But if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, 
we would love to send a number of people a free t-shirt. So the first um, set of people to do that are going to get a free t-shirt. If you do leave a review, just send a screenshot to info at careervalet.com with your size and your address and Anne will send one out to you. Yeah, I can't wait to see where all of our career bitches end up in the world. So That's awesome. Definitely let us know, um, leave a review, and we, uh, we hope to hear from all of you. And thank you, Sheila. It was so, such a pleasure talking to you, and you gave such great advice. I know our listeners are going to benefit a lot from it. Thank you. It was fun. Later, guys. The Career Bitches are eternally grateful to our producer, Joe Tropea, at Hari Kaver Productions, based in beautiful Baltimore City, for his bullshit-free feedback and constant support. We would also like to thank Micro Kingdom for their musical genius and providing our theme music. You can check out more of their extra cognitive spiritual magnetism at www.microkingdom.com. A new episode of Career Bitches drops every Monday morning to start your work week. And you can listen to us bitch on demand on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you find your podcast.